Today's scripture reading is going to be found in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you're using a Pew Bible, it's going to be on page uh, 1140. And I'm going to be reading from the, I believe this is the NASB version. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, or there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the power and wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? This is God's word. Have any of you ever, sorry, let me turn on my microphone. Have any of you ever uh, observed or celebrated Pentecost Sunday before? How many of you didn't even know it was on the calendar? <laughs> no one's going to admit to that? All right. Well, good job. Y'all are smart cookies. We are, our church is um, networked with a group of churches um, that's a global movement of churches called the Church of God. And they're based out of Anderson, Indiana. And uh, so a lot of the mission support that we do is through that network and affiliation with them. And uh, you know, many of you give to our faith promise giving, which uh, some of that money goes towards uh, Church of God missionaries. Some of it goes to other missionaries, uh, other groups, and some of it goes to missional partners, both in and out of the Church of God. But uh, sometimes the, the Church of God lets us know if there's something going on that, um, that a lot of churches are participating in or that they're asking a lot of churches to participate in. And so we have the option of participating in that. And this year is the first time I've heard them ask uh, for us to participate in honoring or uh, noting Pentecost Sunday, celebrating that. And alongside that, uh, they created kind of this theme for us of Pentecost life. And it's an opportunity also for us to give and partner with missions work. And I'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit as we get through this. But Pentecost Sunday, uh, this is a chance for us to talk about an event, a day that the church commemorates every year. Uh, and yet maybe we don't always mention it as much as we should. And it, but it's an important day. They put it on the calendar for a reason. And we're going to talk today a little bit about why it's so important. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word Pentecost, usually the first thing that pops into my mind is Pentecostal, right? Uh, and, and we know that there's lots of different kinds of Pentecostal churches around here, and so you may come from that background, or you may know someone who does, or you may have visited once. Uh, you know, we got, you probably have family or friends that go to, you know, churches that worship a little more differently than us. 
Um, they look like they're more into it, right? Sound like it too, probably. Um, I went to a church once. I didn't know anything about it except I had heard in college that it was a cool church. And I heard that Charlie Hall led worship there, and I was a worship leader, and Charlie Hall was one of my heroes at the time. You probably don't even know who the guy is. But I thought, I'm going to go see Charlie Hall lead worship. Well, I got there, and he wasn't even there. Go figure. And after my experience there, I never went back <laughs> to find out if he was there. Um, what happened was I, I went with a friend that I shouldn't have gone with, and he thought it would be a great idea if we sat on the front row at this new church that we'd never been to. Uh, you always sit on the back row. I mean, y'all know this. I don't have to tell you. And so he brought us down to the front row. We did not know anything about this church. At the end of the service, towards the end of it, they were practicing prophecy, which was interesting. Uh, I'll tell you more about that someday, maybe, if I get a chance to talk with you. It was, it was an interesting experience by itself. Uh, Thankfully, none of the public prophecies were directed at us. That maybe is a shocking thing. After the service was over, we thought we were home free. And this lady came up to us and stopped us. There was a group of four of us friends. And she said, I'm sorry to bother you, but God has been highlighting you with a yellow highlighter this whole service for me. And I felt compelled to come and tell you uh, that God has told me that you four are going to be like his Delta Force. God's Delta Force, the four of us. Pretty impressive. Uh, one of us lives in West Monroe now. One of us lives in Galveston, Texas. One of us lives outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And one of us lives in Las Cruces, New Mexico. And we haven't talked to each other in a long time. So I don't know if this was like a more of a future thing, like in heaven or in the new heavens and earth, we're going to be a Delta Force. I don't know. I'm not going to knock it until we see how it all plays out in the end. But it was an interesting experience. I'd never been prophesied over quite in that way. And so it's one of the things that comes to mind when I hear the word Pentecost, as I think Pentecostal, and then I think of yellow highlighters and Delta Forces. We're not talking about any of that today. We're talking about a day, a moment in history, an event that took place. An event that took place shortly after the event of Jesus' death and resurrection. And to understand this event, we need to do some quick Old Testament history. And if you've been to church much or read your Bible, then you probably know a lot of this history anyway. But just to give us a quick refresher course, uh, for that matter, if you've watched uh, many movies, you probably know some of the story. But anyway, a long time ago, there was a people that God raised up through a man named Abraham. Uh, they became known as Israel. And they eventually, through a uh, you know, series of circumstances ended up in Egypt and they grew so much as a nation that the Egyptians got scared of them and decided to enslave them and they enslaved this people Israel and for about 400 years the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and then God raised up a man named Moses and told him that he was going to set his people free 
And so perhaps you know the story of the plagues that God sent to get Pharaoh's attention. And finally, the people were set free. They, uh, there's a whole set of rituals that the Jewish people still follow to this day to honor and celebrate and commemorate what God did at that moment. It's a, really a, a time of, for their identity, of who they are. They are the people that God saw and set free in the Exodus. And so they celebrate that every year around our Easter with an event called Passover. And as part of Passover, you know, they share unleavened bread and, and they uh, have just this whole set of rituals that go along with that moment when they had to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. And they waited and waited for the moment to be right. And then Pharaoh said, go. And they went. And God split the Red Sea and they crossed into the wilderness. So perhaps you know that story of the Exodus and the Passover that celebrates it. The Israelite people spent about 40 days in that wilderness traveling and they came to a place called Sinai, a little mountain, Sinai. And at Sinai, God told Moses, set up camp here. They built some little shelters and they built a barricade around the mountain lest the people travel onto the mountain because God's presence was going to be resting and appearing on the mountain and if anyone touched the mountain they might be smitten so protect the people have the people purify themselves and get ready I'm going to show up and at Sinai God showed up in fire and thunder and a cloud of smoke and voices literally the, the Hebrew word kolat that gets translated thunder like the sound of thunder literally means the sound of voices. This happened, the people flipped out. They <laughs> said, this is no good, Moses. Why don't you deal with this God one-on-one -on -one and we'll deal with you <laughs> because that's too much. And so Moses goes up on the mountain and he comes back down with what? Anybody? All right, Ten Commandments, stone tablets, any answer will do. So he comes down with the law of God. And so every year, about 40 to 50 days after, uh, after Passover, the Jewish people celebrate Pentecost. That's the Greek word for it. In uh, Hebrew, I think it's Shavuot or something like that. Don't. Don't quote me to a Jewish person. I'm not sure how they pronounce that. But they have their own name of Festival of Weeks or Festival of Shelters. Anyway, it's this, uh, what we call Pentecost. So they still celebrate these in the same spacing that we celebrate Easter and then Pentecost. Now why, why do we celebrate Easter when they celebrate Passover? And why do we celebrate Pentecost when they celebrate Sinai? Well, it's because of Jesus and because of his Holy Spirit. So, fast forward through history to when Jesus was alive. Uh, something like 1,500 years later. And he's in an upper room with his disciples. 
just before he's betrayed and crucified. And he says, when you take this bread that you've always used to celebrate the Exodus, uh, when you do it, now you're going to remember my body broken for you. And when you take this cup as part of your Passover meal, you're going to remember my blood spilled for you. And then he goes to the cross, and at the cross writes a new covenant between God and his people. He fulfills the old covenant, writes a new covenant. It's a big moment. Everything changes, and so people who believe in Jesus and follow him no longer operate in the old covenant and no longer celebrate Passover in the same way. It's been changed. And so uh, we celebrate Easter and Good Friday and that weekend where Jesus died and rose again. And when Jesus rose again and appeared to his disciples, he said to wait. To wait in Jerusalem until what happened? Until they received the Holy Spirit. That was so smart. And so they stayed in Jerusalem, even though it was dangerous. And they waited. Told that they were in an upper room again. So maybe the same upper room where they shared that meal with Jesus. It's possible. And they were there about 50 days later, about seven weeks later, when the crowds once again came to Jerusalem for another festival. Can you imagine? I mean, no airplane tickets, no Greyhound bus, just a donkey and you heading back to Jerusalem again seven weeks later you're like didn't we just do this <laughs> here we are again they came from all over the Roman Empire all over Israel to Jerusalem from all these nations once again for another one of the important festivals in their calendar seven weeks after Passover the day of Pentecost comes and we're told when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place and the crowds had come and they were getting ready to celebrate as Israelite people the moment when God gave his law to them at Sinai that's what they're there for the word of God came to them in power in that place set them apart as a people they now knew how to live as God's people that was given in the law so it was a big moment in their history, and that's why they've all come to celebrate. And while they're there, in this upper room, these disciples, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Does it remind you at all of Sinai? So, loud sounds and fire and glory of God appearing and coming. It's a big moment in the life of the church. And then they went out and they spoke. They felt compelled to go out and preach a new word to the people, the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful moment. Do you see the connection between uh, Passover and Pentecost and then what happened at Easter and Pentecost? So, Jesus... Jesus had said that his death and resurrection would rewrite Passover. And that means, as, as the crowds saw, looked on and asked, what does this mean? Here's what it means. It means that Jesus just outdid the Exodus. Right? The Exodus set a people free. Jesus died so that all people could be set free. Is the ultimate exodus. No longer slaves to sin, but set free and alive in Christ Jesus. It's a what he did at Passover was so much greater than the original Passover. And so we celebrate it every year, Good Friday and Easter. Jesus died to set us free from sin and give us new life. His resurrection is the first, is the, is the promise of this new life. And then, a few days later, he says, wait, wait here until you receive the Spirit. And a few days later, a few weeks later, just as the Israelite people stood at Sinai and received his word, they waited and on Pentecost received the Holy Spirit. And this is so cool because... It was actually prophesied in the Old Testament long before Jesus ever showed up or anything that when God came and wrote a new covenant with his people, he would write his law in their minds and on their hearts rather than on stone tablets. And so what happened at Pentecost was the Holy Spirit came to transform human lives, to live in us and to write God's law on our hearts and in our minds instead of on these stone tablets and that is a huge difference when the law is written on a stone tablet it means do this this and this to be right with God and so you read it and you try and do it when God's law is written on your heart it transforms the way you think and the way you feel so that you become someone who does those things Someone who wants to do those things. It's, a, it's, a, it's about becoming rather than behaving, right? So it's the difference between stone tablets and having God's law written on your heart and in your mind. And why Pentecost is so significant and again upscales the original celebration of Pentecost is because at, at Sinai it was just stone tablets. And at Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost that we celebrate... It was God's Holy Spirit with the power to transform human lives, to write God's law in our hearts and in our minds. And so the great significance of the availability of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is not the gifts of the Spirit that we so often think of or the miraculous signs that so often accompany the gospel when it's presented as it was on this day. And we'll look at that in a second. But the greatest significance of the Holy Spirit is how He transforms lives. And that's what the day of Pentecost represents and was about. It was the day the church was launched. 
Not only does the Holy Spirit transform lives, though that's the primary thing, but the Holy Spirit also gives power to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that more lives can be transformed. And so on this day, the Holy Spirit empowered them and em, uh, emboldened them to go out into the streets and to spe speak this message of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. And when they did so, all these people from all over the place began to hear the gospel presented to them in their native language so that they fully understood what was being said to them. And when they received this, they said to Peter, who preached the main sermon that day, they said, what do we do with this? Said so there was like 3,000 of them that believed in Jesus in that moment, and they wanted to know what they could do about it. They felt awful that they had been part of what had happened to Jesus just seven weeks prior when Jesus was crucified at their hands. And now they want to know, what do we do? Where do we start? And this is the Apostle Peter's response after the first gospel proclamation. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This has been so fascinating to me the last couple of years since I've noticed this because I feel like it's so different from the way we do the gospel in our culture in America. More often than not, at least in my personal experience, I can't vouch for yours, the story usually goes like this. Uh, you're a sinner. Jesus died for you. And you say, okay, I believe. What do I need to do about that? Well, you need to come to the altar and you need to say a prayer and accept Jesus into your heart and, and be baptized. And then you'll go to heaven. That's the narrative that I've always received. But that's a little bit different than what they did at first anyway. Uh, on that day in the streets, they didn't have any altars and they didn't even really pray a special prayer, at least not that's recorded for us. They believed and they asked what should be done and Peter laid it out explicitly for them and I believe it's still true for us today. That they should repent, which means to turn from their old way of life and to live Jesus' way of life instead. If you believe that Jesus is the king, then follow his way of life, right? Why would you say you believe he's the king and then want to live a different way? His kingdom comes with its own culture and its own way of life and its own laws. Laws that will be written on your heart. How does that happen? Okay, well, let's keep going. Repent, be baptized. Okay, we still get that part right. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll go to heaven. <laughs> we leave out the most miraculous and important part. The most relevant part to our lives today. Jesus may not be with us in physical presence. It's unlikely that his physical body will walk through those doors back there today. But his presence is with us in this room. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit 
And we know that this was not just for them because this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. And so here we are, far off, the children's children's children of the people who received the promise in the beginning. And we still receive this gift from God. His Holy Spirit available to us to breathe life into us so that we know and we celebrate together that the Holy Spirit gives life today. The Holy, Amen? I know some of you have experienced this to some level in your life. That the Holy Spirit still gives life today. We're told that when they, when he spoke those words and shared with them and pleaded with them to be saved, that about 3,000 found life that day, were baptized into a new way of life, received the Holy Spirit. This is interesting too, because when Moses came down from Sinai and found that while he was up receiving God's word, the people had been choosing a different path, worshiping a golden calf. About 3,000 died that day. And at Pentecost, about 3,000 found life. The Holy Spirit still gives life today. People still choose life. People still choose death. But life is available to us through the Holy Spirit. For the purpose of breathing life into us, yes. Yes, repentance means something when the Holy Spirit's power is behind it. You're not just operating in your effort you are operating in his strength and in his power to find a new way of life. This is the, the heart of the gospel. But it's not the only significance of Pentecost that we receive the Holy Spirit so that we can have life. Because this life from God was never meant to be kept or hoarded to ourselves, but to be shared Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So this is just a few days before Pentecost happened. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So not only did the Holy Spirit's coming mean that God's law can be written in our hearts and in our minds, and we can find a new way of life by his, by his power, but it also marked the moment when that message and that good news spread out from Jerusalem and out beyond Israel where Jesus had confined his ministry to people like you and me. And so we would have never received the gospel if it hadn't been for this command of Jesus that at Pentecost they would receive the power to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus and that others would receive the Holy Spirit as well. So the Holy Spirit still gives life today and I want to ask you two quick questions. 
for you to consider in your own life. One is, are you finding life by the Holy Spirit? Are you receiving life from Him? Are you receiving as much life as you can possibly stand? If you want to receive life from Him and you're not a believer, begin by believing and repent from your old way of life into a new way of life. Be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. Chase after this life and His power. If you are a believer, but you long for something more, for a greater experience of the Holy Spirit's power in your life, for more strength and power to live the way Jesus taught us to live, then I would encourage you to do what Jesus taught us to do. Ask. Seek. Knock. Be persistent. Don't give up. Keep asking. When Jesus taught that, he ended in Luke's gospel by saying, look, even you who are earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your, to your kids. How much more then will God give his Holy Spirit to you if you ask and seek and knock? And, and what else did Jesus say? What else does God's word teach us that we will find him we will seek Him and we will find Him when we seek Him with all of our hearts. Perhaps you're not receiving as much life from the Holy Spirit as you'd like because you're not seeking Him much. That's what I, dawned on me recently in my own life. It's like, maybe if I sought Him with more of my heart, then I'd find more of Him. Maybe if I would draw near to God, God would draw near to me. So I would encourage you today. What can you do this week to draw near to God? What can you do this week to seek Him with all your heart? And second question for you as we think about what do we do with Pentecost Sunday in our own life? That is, are you sharing the life of the Holy Spirit? Because it's not meant just for you to keep. Are you sharing this life of the Holy Spirit? There are so many ways to give life. They range from simply speaking encouragement into someone's life or praying with them. Did you know you have the authority to pray with people? You don't have to be a pastor for that. If you see someone having a tough time Pray with them and be an encouragement to them in the Holy Spirit. That's your job as a believer. Maybe it's loving your enemy. Someone really getting on your nerves right now? <laughs> you can share life in that simple way. Sharing the gospel with your lips or with your life. Praying kingdom prayers. And yes, supporting and sending Others who can go to places that we can't all go. That's part of it too. And today as we celebrate this, they've uh, asked us if we would take up an offering 
That's the Pentecost life offering today. You've got an envelope that looks like this and you're welcome to use it. We also have one of those uh, square readers that we can swipe your card if you don't have money to put in an envelope today. But this money will go to underwrite the costs that missionaries have to, the funds that missionaries have to raise before they can go into the field. So before they can go into the mission field, they have to raise money. Uh, that's not just true in the Church of God. That's true across most missions agencies that I've ever encountered. In fact, my cousin in a different group and from a different network of churches is getting ready to go into the mission field and they're going to have to raise a ton of money. And so this is part of a burden that rests on our missionaries. And so uh, the Church of God has recognized this burden and asked that we start a fund to help ease some of that burden to try and underwrite the, the cost of raising funds so that we can get missionaries into the field less stressed and faster. And so that's what today's offering is about. So if you'd like to participate with that, great. Many of you, like I mentioned, already participate in our faith promise giving, which is a way of sharing life of the Holy Spirit in a multitude of ways that we celebrate. From missionaries to missional projects like Mercy Ministries that pour specifically into troubled girls or uh, ministries that feed and clothe the poor and all these kinds of things we support through our faith promise giving. Many of you sponsor children around the world from poor countries. Uh, many of you serve and give your time in our community in different ways. All these are ways of sharing life. And so Pentecost isn't just a moment in history. It's a current event. The Holy Spirit still gives life today. And we still have a chance to partner with what He's doing in the world today. Would you close your eyes? And I want to ask you a few questions. So, if you would like to just testify by a show of hands that the Holy Spirit has changed your life, would you raise your hand? So many of us. It's awesome. If you would like to uh, receive life from the Holy Spirit in a fresh way or in a new way today, would you raise your hand as well? Awesome. Thank you. And if you would like the Holy Spirit to help you share life in some new ways, would you raise your hand as well? Yeah. Let's pray together. God, I pray for these that have raised their hand. First, we give thanks together for the transformation and the change that you've made in our lives. So blessed. And we thank you for these who have been willing to say, yes, I want to receive more life from the Holy Spirit. And yes, I want to share more life with others. And I pray that you would empower them to do just that. Give us life and teach us to share it. Father, we thank you for not only forgiving but also not allowing us to remain stuck in sin. 
God, we too often turn our attention to things that are of little value when we could be paying attention to seeking life by the Spirit. So Holy Spirit, in this moment we pray that you would fill us, that you would change us, that you'd send us, and that you'd use us for your kingdom's work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.